Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be together midweek together, and uh, glad we can start our, our Lent journey together today. I just wanted to share a couple thoughts on this passage from 1 John. We're going to be wrapping up our 1 John series tonight. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for in regards to the church calendar and the church year is that it gives us regular re-entrance points into the life of faith. Uh, We, I think, have a tendency as human beings to drift, to lose heart, uh, to give up, get distracted, lose momentum. And I think it's just helpful for us to have these regular opportunities and invitations to refocus. And uh, so Ash Wednesday, as Adri's uh, mentioned, is, is the start of this 40-day journey, as we know, to, to Easter. And historically, this has been a, a season of spiritual refocusing. It's a time where uh, people throughout Christian history have returned and prioritized uh, the the practices of the faith. It's a time where we experience this call to repent, to turn away from sin, and to walk closely with the Lord. And tonight we're going to receive that call at the end of our service to, to repent, to turn to Christ. And in response to this call to repent, to walk closely with the Lord, we need some caution because I think we can easily, if we're not careful, slip into legalism and approach the season from a legalistic, moralistic standpoint. Um, how many of you have seen the classic movie Chocolat? It's the movie. Uh, it's about a French woman and her young daughter who open up a chocolate shop in this French village uh, during the season of Lent. And uh, she, through her business and just her uh, her person, really shakes up the rigid moralism of this town. Well, uh, one of the leaders of the town, uh, for those of you who know the movie, is a man named Comte de Reynaud, and he plays the role of the legalistic moralist that embarks on this rigid fast during Lent. And the irony in his character is that while he is trying to live this upright life, he is actually joyless and angry and lacks love. And so there's this classic move moment at the end of uh, the story where his willpower cracks and he just can't quite make it to Easter. It's about two days from Easter and he's seen lying in the window of the chocolate shop having eaten all the candy. He just couldn't quite quite make it. And it's kind of this, uh, this sad moment it gives us a picture of what happens when we rely on willpower alone, right? Uh, Thankfully, the movie ends with the priest giving this rousing sermon about uh, the hope of the gospel and how it calls us to a life of, of love, a life of liberation, not oppression. As we embark on our Lenten practice, I want to steer us away from this example of Comte de Reynaud. That's not the picture that's given us in our text today, to embark on Lent with this attempt to, uh, to try and do this by gritting our teeth and clenching our fists and trying really hard to be faithful. Instead, I want to remind us that there is a way of approaching spiritual growth that can be liberating rather than oppressive. And this is what, uh, the, what John tells us in our text. This is the part of chapter 5 that I want to zero in on today where we read this. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. 
I want to zero in on this passage for a couple of minutes this evening. John reminds us that our capacity to love well and to obey the commandments of God requires more than human willpower. Instead, we see that whatever is born of God conquers the world. Obedience and love are the natural outflow of being a child of God. As I mentioned on Sunday, uh, this, this past Sunday, we are deeply shaped, right, by our family of origin. The nature and the nurture we receive from our family shapes how we live, how we relate to one another. And uh, the hope of the gospel is that through faith we become sons and daughters of God. And as we abide in the love of God as God's children, over time we are formed and shaped into loving people. The means of spiritual growth is not the product of of heroic willpower alone. Spiritual growth is the fruit of our continual abiding in the love of God. You've heard me say this often. I just want to remind us of this as we step into this Lenten season. Richard Foster says that the spiritual practices we engage in are not a means of earning grace. They're simply a means by which we place ourselves before God, abide in God so that God can transform us. Our role in the process of formation and growth, John tells us, is to have faith. This is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Faith enables us to be born of God and continually abide in the love of God. Now, I think we need a more holistic picture of what faith is like. Faith is not just giving intellectual assent to a few doctrines about what Jesus has done for us on the cross. To have faith means to put our trust in God, not just to pay lip service to the truth, but to put our trust in God I worked at a summer camp uh, back in high school, and one of my roles was to belay kids as they climbed up cliffs and were rock climbing. And uh, one of the things that I I noticed is that uh, students often did pretty good climbing up the mountain, up the cliff. What was problematic was when they were asked to let go of the cliff and start rappelling down the mountain. And perhaps you've had this experience. And sometimes the first time students would be asked to come back down, there was this panic moment because they didn't want to let go of the cliff. And sometimes they were trying to climb awkwardly back down the mountain and scale out, and it was stressful. It didn't really work. And in order for them to come back down, they actually had to let go and entrust, right, that the harness and the rope would hold them as they plant their feet against the cliff and walk down. It is one thing to give intellectual assent to the concept that a rope and a harness will hold you up. It's quite another thing to trust that rope and harness to hold you when you let go, when your life is at risk as you descend down this cliff. And in a similar way, it's a simple metaphor, but I think a helpful picture of faith. Faith is the act of continually entrusting our life to God as we step into hard things, as we step out and scale the various mountains of the spiritual journey. Faith is this continual act of entrusting God, and it's not just a one-time transaction. Now, there are initial moments of faith 
that draw us into relationship with God. Our text says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Faith involves both uh, events, key moments, and an ongoing process, right? So John does tell us that there are these key moments, these conversion moments, where I place my faith in Christ, and through that act of faith, I come into relationship with God. To kind of overextend the metaphor a little bit, it's like there's this moment of I'm putting on the harness and I'm tethered to the rope, and there are these moments where I am aligned and connected to God through faith. But that's not then the end of the story. We are then called to continually practice our faith as we step out into difficult things. It takes faith to let go of our worldly attachments. I think sometimes we're still clinging on to these other sources of security, these other sources of hope. It takes faith to step into scary new challenges that God may ask of us. It takes faith to be obedient, which is one of the words that we hear in this text. Obedience sometimes calls us to practice generosity or it costs something of us in terms of time or resources, and that can be scary. It's a letting go. It's a detaching from the things that we cling on to. Sometimes obedience requires letting go of my attachment to a particular substance or an addictive thing in my life that I'm turning to for relief or for joy. That takes faith to let go of. But what John reminds us of in this passage is that obedience is not burdensome when we realize that we are tethered to God. The call to obedience will crush us if we think we need to do it on our own. It will feel like scaling a mountain without support. In her book, uh, The Recovering, a lady named Leslie Jameson reflects on her journey out of alcohol addiction. And uh, she acknowledges that initially this journey towards sobriety was very difficult and she felt defeated by her addiction. And just notice what she observes on this journey of recovery. She says, when I applied willpower to drinking, the only thing I felt was that I was turning my life into a small, joyless, clenched fist. I wonder if that just maybe resonates with some of of us at one level or another. When I applied willpower alone, the only thing I felt was that I was turning my life into a small, joyless, clenched fist. Willpower alone was not enough to let go, to overcome. But she goes on to describe that as she worked through a, a more holistic process of recovery, as she worked through the 12 steps, which some of us are familiar with, she was able to discover a deeper victory over this attachment and discover a deeper source of joy that could fill that void as she let go of her worldly attachment. We recall that the 12 steps begin with admitting that we're powerless over our addiction, that our lives have become unmanageable, and then coming to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that can restore us and making a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. She was only able to let go, and she could lean in and trust her life to the power of God. She could let go of her dependence on a substance when she realized she could depend on God to bring her joy, fulfillment, and hope. Friends, this is my hope for us this Lenten season. 
if we approach the season from a legalistic vantage point through willpower alone, we may end up experiencing life as a small, joyless, clenched fist. <laughs> but if we entrust our life to the love of God, as we lean into His power and His strength and His provision, we I believe, can experience what John is describing in this, uh, an obedience that is not burdensome, an obedience uh, that leads to victory over the powers that seem insurmountable. You know, the, the reality, the hope I want to proclaim is that for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we, whether we realize it or act on it or not, are actually tethered <laughs> yoked to Christ. We are children of God, and I think sometimes we're like those rock climbers clinging on to dear life, trying to scale mountains by our own strength, not realizing that we are safely upheld in the powerful hands of God. And First John reminds us to simply lean into that great hope, to trust God, to step out in faith and discover that easy yoke that God speaks of as we discover God's provision, his support, as he brings us down onto firmer ground, into places of safety. This Lent, my, my hope is that we might experience an obedience that is not burdensome, that we might experience the victory we can have over the world as we trust in Christ. As we... Uh, at the end of the service, come forward, you'll uh, have ashes placed on your forehead, and I just notice as I'm placing the ashes and lifting them up, and you might feel them as they fall off your forehead, that ashes have this light texture. They just kind of fall off your finger, fall off your forehead. And I wonder if that might just be a picture, not of oppression, but of, of liberation and lightness. This is a reference from Thomas Merton that I think I've shared before on Ash Wednesday. I love this quote, but he says this, in laying upon us the light cross of ashes, the church desires to take off our shoulders all other heavy burdens, the crushing load of worry and guilt, the dead weight of our own self-love. We should not take upon ourselves a burden of penance and stagger into Lent as if we were Atlas carrying the whole world on his shoulders. Penance is conceived by the church less as a burden than as a liberation. It is only a burden to those who take it up unwillingly. Love makes it light and happy. And that is another reason why Ash Wednesday is filled with the lightness of love. So this Lenten season, I do pray that we would repent and turn towards God, that we would walk closely with the Lord. We would make room for, for centering spiritual practice in this season. But let us not do this by our own sheer willpower. Let us do this yoked to Christ, trusting in his strength. Let us abide in Christ, and out of that abiding love, bear the deep uh, fruit of love we desire to see in our lives. So will you join me in prayer? I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward and uh, so we have now a chance to respond. Gracious God, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you uh, that you not only call us away from sin, but you make it possible for us to throw off the sin that so easily entangles as we fix our eyes upon you, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
Lord, I pray for those of us who come today who feel a burden, that it is, feels difficult to let go of some of the things we're holding on to. It feels difficult to live into the kind of people we want to be. Lord, would you place upon us that easy yoke? Would you call us back in your grace to, to rest in you, to fall upon you, to call upon you, that you might help us grow deeper in our walk? We pray this in your name. Amen.